0: We're going to be over in Exodus chapter 5 here today. This is a familiar story for most people. Most people are even familiar with this. Watching TV. Even though they got most of the stuff wrong on TV, it's alright, at least uh, most people are familiar with this story. But, as you heard, we, we were talking last week about the direction of God, and God gives us direction, and God gives us the, the way that we go, and how He speaks to us. How many of you have ever been... Led by God, God led you to do a particular thing, go a particular place, uh, invest in something, buy something, take a job, whatever it might be. God, you prayed about it and you felt that God led you to do this particular thing. And as you did it, it became extremely difficult. It became very tough. Sometimes we can find this, you know, when we were younger, we felt God led us to go to a certain school. And we went to that school and found out it was really hard in that school. It was tougher than we thought. Finances were tougher, whatever it might be. But we found a lot of difficulties going to that place. And it kind of made us want to quit. Maybe you felt the direction of God to marry the person that you married. And as you're going through, you're struggling. There's, there's been, been times it has been hard. And we questioned, did God really lead me into this? Am I really in a place that God wants because the difficulty is so great? Anybody ever been in a place where the difficulty was so great it made you go all the way back to check whether God even led you into the place to begin with? Mm -hmm. You see, most of us have been in places like that and then we have a choice. I either quit or I keep going. So we're going to look at a story here today of people, and we can see from the Word of God, we can see that God's hand was in this but we see the difficulties they had with it and the struggles that they came up with. And it can help us overcome the struggles that we have. Because that's what the Word of God is here for, is to help us overcome our struggles, not succumb to them. So in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to start there, but I'm going, to, I'm going to go back just a few more verses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. I didn't put that in your outline. It's in mine. <laughs> But I thought I'd just tell you about it. In Exodus 4, verse 29, some of the things that had gone on before, y'all are familiar with this. Remember that Moses felt like the direction from God, that he was to be the deliverer of Israel. And he went out there and he tried to do it on his own, and it didn't work, and he fled the country, and he became a shepherd for 40 years. And then after that, he was out there shepherding the the, the sheep, taking care of the, the livestock that were out there, and he saw this incredible thing that happened on the side of a mountain a bush was on fire and yet the bush didn't burn and he said i must go and see this thing a bush that's on fire but it's not burning and as he got there the lord said to him take off your shoes moses for the ground you are standing on is holy ground and so he took off his shoes and he had a conversation with god how many remember that conversation he had with god Boy, that was some kind of a conversation. How many of you have been in a place that was so tough that you would wish that God would come down and you would have a burning bush experience? Anybody want to I mean, you got scripture for it. There's a guy right here. <laughs> God, I want a burning bush experience. I want to be able to hear your voice. This has really been tough. This has really been difficult. Can you take some time and just show up at a burning bush or wherever and talk with me about this? because we're struggling with it. Well, this is what happened with Moses. He had the direction from God, but it didn't go so well. And then God came down and says, Moses, I have called you to be the deliverer. I'm paraphrasing. And I want you to go out there and do it. And Moses said, well, I can't, you know, I'm, uh, I'm no good. I can't talk right. Um, he gave all his reasons and God had excuses for him. or he, he kind of debated with him. and said, no, 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 that's not true. This is true. No, 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 that's not true. This is true. And so finally he ran out of excuses and Moses finally comes down there and says, I don't want to go. (laughs) Have you ever been in a place where God is leading you to go to a place and you finally just say, I don't want to go. Please understand this. God will lead you to places that you do not want to go. God will do that. Do you remember Jesus' prayer in the garden? Jesus said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Which meant God's will was different than... Get, now, get this, folks. God's will was different from Jesus. If Jesus could have a will different from God and be without sin, why are you on your case so much? But see, he straightened it out in the garden. And when he came out of that garden, which will did he do? The will of God. But understand, when he was in that garden, he had a will different from God's. And So he prayed. Moses has a will that is different from God's. You've got to get your head around this one. God will lead you to do things that are very difficult and will test you and will push you to your limits. And it's the will of God you don't believe me, go through the book of Acts and look at the life of Paul. Look at the life of Peter. Look at the life of John. We can keep on going. How about Stephen? You think that was difficult? He got stoned. God will lead you into, into places where it will test your will, test everything that you're made of. And that's what's happening here with Moses. So we finally get Moses on board and Moses heads out, leaves his job of 40 years to go out and to do what God has called him to do. And as he gets out there, he comes over to the children of Israel and verse 29 has what, we, what he says to the children of Israel. He comes to the children of Israel. Well, before we do that, understand this about the children of Israel. The children of Israel have been crying out to God. God, send us a deliverer because the oppression of Egypt is great. Send us a deliverer. And Egypt rose up and killed their babies, beat them to make them work, and worked them as slaves for 400 years. And they cried out to God, and God, God, we, we, want we want to get out of this situation. Send us your deliverance, send us your direction. And so then Moses comes to them. And here's what Moses says Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders. Of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads. And worshipped. So here's what happens. Moses comes down and says, The Lord has heard your cries. I have been sent to deliver you. Now here's the signs that God gave me with the rod. You remember the things that did with the snake and the different things he was given for that. And so he, he did those. And they said, God has sent you. And they believed. They believed. Now put yourself... Don't just read the Bible. Read the Bible and put yourself in their shoes. This is something they had hoped for. And they came to a place where they believed that what they hoped for was now here. Turn that around to your own situation. I've been believing God for a spouse. I've been believing God for a job. I've been believing God and you fill in the blanks what you've been believing God for. You believe it's God's desire for you to have it. You desire to have it. And something comes along your path, maybe a word from God or something in the Word of God came alive to you. And you said, I believe that my time is now to have that thing and that this is the way to go. You believe it. That's the situation that Israel is in right now. They are fully on board with what Moses has shared. And then we go into chapter 5. So all that is just to set us up here for chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I shall obey his voice to let Israel go? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? Most people don't obey God because they don't know who He is. Who is He? Why should I obey Him? I've got God all over the place here. Why should I why should I should obey your god. Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? And you see the rest of this, the rest of the book of uh, the rest of the story of the plagues. That's God telling Pharaoh, "This is who I am. I am the God of the Nile. I am the God of the sun. I am the God of the insects. I am the God of the frogs, because these are all things that Egypt worshipped. And what God is saying is, I am God over all these things that you have called God. That's who I am." But see, this is his question. Who is God? So God says, Oh, I'll answer that for you. <laughs> this is who I am. And the last plague he showed him, he said, I am the God of life and death. And that was the one that sent him over. He says, You know what? Get out of here. Y'all go. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with his pestilence or with the sword. And so they go to him and say, we want, we just, We're just asking. At The, the part, beginning part here, they're just asking to go in the wilderness and to worship God. Now he doesn't listen to that, and eventually it's going to be, Let my people go completely. Now, God knew he's not going to listen to this. In fact, God told Moses before, he's not going to listen to you on these first signs. It's going to take a few of them. But you see, that's, that's all right. God was, a, God was prepared for it. I've got, I got them all lined up. And each one is going to show my superiority to the gods of Egypt. This is what we're going to show Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? There's many people, folks, who ask the same question today, even believers. But many choose their voice of their God, the voice of themselves, over Pharaoh. Here's some reasons why we, we disobey the voice of God. If you're up on Facebook today, this is what I was alluding to. We don't submit. The, reasons we don't, we, the reason we disobey. First off, we don't submit to, the, to his authority. We don't submit to His authority. Understand this, folks. Even believers don't submit to the authority of God. Not all believers will submit to the authority of God. We all should. But just because I am a believer, just because I show up at church, just because I read the Bible, does not mean I submit to the authority of God. Many Christians call God, God, but they are their own authority. As the Word of God put it in the book of Judges, every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's not what we're here to do. Well, number one, we don't submit to, the, to His authority. Number two, we don't honor His wisdom. Now, don't get all pious on me and say, well, God is, God is all wise. God is all knowing. Haven't you heard in, the, in your spirit God telling you, I want you to do this? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Haven't you seen something come up in the Word of God telling you to do something? What? I mean, that's not for today. We question it because I don't honor His wisdom. Number three, we don't want to miss out on what we want. Now, I'm going to use an example here that has absolutely no foundation in the Word of God, just so I'm not picking on something that actually means anything to anybody. All right, How many grew up in a church that taught you that movies were wrong? I did. and My hand is up. I was taught movies were wrong. If you went to the movie theater, it's pretty much stealing your fate. You are going to hell. Not only that, the church I went to taught me that if you went to a dance, it's over. It is over. Now, see, I didn't care about that last one because I hated dancing. I mean, it's easy to do what God says to do, what you think God says to do, when you don't want to do the other thing. I didn't want to dance, so this is all right. God doesn't want me dancing. <laughs> I did go to my prom. Not my prom, so I went to a prom. There was a girl in church, and she was going to a prom, and we started started dating for a brief period of time, and she had a prom to go to, and I went, I went, Um, I did not dance, (laughs) did not dance, I don't know how to dance, I don't want to dance, but I did go, I didn't like going, it's not one of those memories I had that oh, I remember that, no, I just assumed that I never would have gone, but I did. But you know, there's some other things that will go on, and, and we think... That, now, God hasn't said that you'll go to hell if you dance. Hasn't said that at all. Wasn't David, David dancing before the Lord? Somehow we just skipped over all those verses of Scripture. And you don't go to hell if you go to the movies. I found that out, too. will be careful what kind of movies you go to. Don't just put junk into your, into your head. But you can... Um, The Bible never said that. Well, that's because there's no movies. We can come up with reasons. All right. But see, we don't want to miss out on what we want. Because I don't want to miss out on what we want, then I'm questioning whether I should do what God says. Because God says, thou shalt not. Well, I need this. Here's another one. We are unsure of his voice. I would do whatever God says, but I'm not sure that God has said this. And you got your own voice going on the inside because there's something you want to do and that voice is going on and then, well, I'm not sure if this is God or if the other voice is God. Remember the series we did on 1 John? Test the spirits? Because not all spirits, folks, are from God. They're not all from God. And here's another reason. I'm not strong enough to do what God said. I'm not strong enough. I have not developed strength that I need to do what God has said to do. This is the area we're going to be focusing on the most. As we talked about last week, only the strong can obey. Only the strong can obey. If you were on a sports team and you hit a coach and that coach said, I want you to do 20 laps. I want you to do... Whatever it might be that he's telling you to do. And you say, I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. Well, the coach was expecting you to do things along the way to get yourself strong enough so that you could do it. Put this in your outline for you. Pharaoh would accept the authority of Pharaoh would, would accept the authority of a God he did not worship. Should say Pharaoh would not accept the authority of a God he did not worship, neither will people today. If you don't worship God, you're not going to accept his authority. Remember the people did when, when Moses came and pronounced to them the plan, the plan that God had? The people worshipped God. If you don't worship God, you are not going to submit to His authority. Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. If you don't believe that God exists, there's not much help for you you got to believe, first off, that God exists. A lot of Christians were going around here were trying to convince people, heathens, that there's a God. I don't have to convince anybody there's a God. People come, I don't believe there's a God. Well, okay. How much I can do to help you with that? Well, you can't show me any evidence. Well, you can't show me any evidence that there isn't a God. It amazes me that scientists today, how many, how many of you know some real smart scientists that go up and they publish papers and they tell you there is no God? And yet, the only reason they have a job is because there is a God. The only reason that there are science is because there are laws: laws that nature follows, laws that the universe follows. And the study of science is to discover those laws, then to prove them. We have people like Einstein who thought of laws that I can't even understand. See, the strength of his mind was much greater than mine. He was able to envision things. He was able to envision things that until they sent men up into space, they couldn't prove some of his theories. But in his mind, he knew they were right. We've got to develop our strength because I want to be able to obey. When God says, I want you to be ready, I need to be ready. Let's go back over here to the scripture. Verse 4. Then the king of Egypt... "...said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Go back to your labor." And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before." You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it. And let them not regard false words. And the taskmaster of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourselves straw, where you can find it. None, yet none of your work will be reduced. So what they were doing, this is the same day. They went right after as soon as the people heard what Moses said, Moses went to Pharaoh. And as soon as he goes to Pharaoh, the same day, this thing happens. Their supply of straw is removed. They're given stubble. They were given stubble than before instead of straw. But it was as chopped straw, or I put in your outline there, teben. I'm not real up on my Hebrew pronunciations, I know Greek pronunciations a lot better. So, if you hear somebody who knows Hebrew and they pronounce that differently, believe them. <laughs> and now gather, and, 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 um, here's your other, your other blanks that were in there, and now gather long stalks which they had to chop to make. So now, they're, instead of giving chop straw, now they have to go out and gather long stalks and take those long stalks and then chop them in order to do it. So before they were given the raw materials they needed to make the brick, now they had to go out and find the straw, turn it into the raw materials and they made the brick, and still produce the same amount of bricks. Now, if you were the Egyptians, and you worked these people not eight hours a day, they didn't go four hours and then get a break for lunch, and then another four hours. And they certainly were like modern times today. How many of you have been in a job that every two hours you have to have a 15-minute break? Anybody been on that? I hated that job that I had that had that, they required me to have a 15-minute break every two hours. I says, no one requires me to take a break. And I'm in business with it. And so when the entire factory, entire factory shut down at the appointed time, and they all went into the break room, I did not join them. I kept the production run going by myself. And so the production manager, he saw me doing that, and he came on. And the two of us ran the entire production line that had a whole bunch of other people supposed to be on it, and we kept it going. Because I could not stand the idea, why do I have to stop work for 15 minutes? I don't need a rest. I don't need a break. Let's keep this thing going on. I did not like that. They liked it when I was not in the shop, and I was out on the road in the truck. They didn't like me in in the shop and doing all that sort of stuff. But how many of you have ever been there? I, I had never been on a job and they required that until that job. Never had a job after that that required it either. But that job, they, uh, they, they had that in their, their thing. They didn't get that down here. They kept working. I don't know if they broke for lunch or not. They may have. But you worked from the early in the morning until late at night. They were slaves. There wasn't any extra time. And so now they're saying, in that time that you've been working from sun up until sundown, now you're going to have to go out there and get your own straw and chop it up and still make the same amount of bricks. How many of you think the Egyptians or Pharaoh expected them to get this done? They did not expect them to get it done. This was not done that they were expecting it to get it done, it was done to break their will. We're going to cut off your supply. We've been so so nice to you folks. We've been giving you a supply to work with. Now, we're not going to be nice anymore and we're going to cut that off. (laughs) Yeah, they've been nice. This is pressure to change their view of their supplier. See, right now they're free to look at God as their supplier. They're They're free to look at Moses and Aaron as the ones that are going to bring them deliverance. And he says, no, 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 your eyes are back on us. We are the supplier here. We are the ones that are bringing you all this stuff, and they want to get you to, to do that. See, it's real easy for us to get off of God being our supplier and we look at our job. We look at our job. My job is my supplier. Well, God supplies me through my job. and we get real nervous if anything ever happens to that job. Don't lose sight of your of your supplier. Verse 12. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when they were straw. Come on, let's go. Keep going. Now, they know that production is going to go down here. They don't care about that. They're looking for, at the long game. The long game is these folks want to rebel. we got to stop that. Verse 14. Also, the officers of the children of Israel when Pharaoh, or whom Pharaoh whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Who did they beat? The officers. The leaders. Not all the people. The leaders. Because if you discourage the leadership, you discourage everybody. Because God has even set up His church this way. There are leaders in the church for the purpose of of encouraging and bringing people back to the purpose that God has. If Satan can discourage the leaders, he discourages the church. That's why God always tells you, pray for your leaders. You see leaders in the church out there, pray for them. What the, what the enemy wants us to do is criticize them. Oh, would you hear about that brother out there? He may have some really nice books. I enjoyed his books, but do you see what he's doing? Hmm. Verse 14 also The officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmaster had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making bricks both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us make brick, and indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. They thought up to this point that it didn't come from the top. We're being beaten, but it's because these guys are nasty. All we got to do is make our case before Pharaoh and let Pharaoh know, hey, we, we haven't been given the supply. If you'll tell your folks to give us the supply again, we'll continue to make the bricks like you want. Verse 16. There is no straw given to your servants and they say, make brick and indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work for no straw shall be given you yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officer of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. You see, up till now, they thought this is just a localized thing. If, uh, once, once we get before Pharaoh, we tell Pharaoh, but the injustice has been going on. he Hebel right, set this thing right. And when they found out this came from the top, they said, oh, we are in trouble. This is bad news. This is, we we didn't know it was this bad. This is bad news. Verse 20, Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to to meet them and they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Do you remember the last time they were before Moses and Aaron? What did they say? We believe. And they worship God. Now they come here and they say what? You guys messed it all up. We had a good arrangement going on. We had a good arrangement going on. Yeah, it was I don't know why you came. I don't know why you had to mess things up, but we had a good arrangement going on. All right, sure we had to get up early in the morning. Sure we had to work all day and get a whole lot of food. Sure they would beat us every now and then. And they even killed our babies. But it was a good arrangement. That's what, And you came along and messed it up. Because even though we were beaten, even though our babies were killed, even though we weren't given a whole lot of food, even though we didn't have great living conditions, at least they gave us straw. <laughs> Isn't that not remarkable? At least we got straw. If we could at least go back to what it was like before. And I had the straw. Now don't get on the children's visual too quickly because how many times have you ever wanted to go back? You got married and things got tough. Oh, if only I would have married so-and-so. Go back even further. And you got into college and you found out college was tough. Oh, if only I was back in high school. And when you were in high school, what did you say? Oh, if only I was back in junior high school. Oh, and when you first went to junior high school, how many remember the day when you went into junior high school and you found out there is no recess? How many remember that day? I still remember that day. What do you mean no recess? There's always recess. This school, school has recess. There's no recess. We didn't like that. That was really hard for us to adjust to. (laughs) I got to carry how many books? And we didn't like that one either. And think about this. How many of you remember walking around the hallways in junior high school to get from one class to another? Lots of people. We didn't go through that in elementary school. Elementary school, you stayed in the same class the whole time. Now I got to find my way around. And you got lost. And then you end up being late. And you came on home. And after walking through the classes and no recess, and all the books you got to carry home, and then all the homework you got, you were discouraged. If only I was back in elementary school. So you always want to go back to how it was. It's not a new thing. That's what happened here. As bad as it was for him, right now, it was looking pretty good. As bad as your situation is right now, the past looks good. <laughs> God doesn't tempt you with your past. God encourages you with your future. It's the enemy who tempts you with your past. If you got your past constantly being brought up into your face, Guess who's talking to you? And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh. Oh, they felt so good about you before. And in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. How many times are we where God has told us to be? But we're thinking we're not because of what it is that's happening around us. on where God wants me. But because of all the things going on around us, I'm beginning to think I'm in the wrong place. See, not being strong enough for the task that's at hand, doesn't prove the absence of God's will. Just because you are not strong enough to do what you are to been prepared to do for God does not mean you are absent God's will. It just means you're not strong enough. More than likely, it's a disobedience in your part. You didn't obey to do something to get yourself stronger. The children of Israel didn't do what they needed to do to get themselves stronger so they were ready for what was coming. God says, I'm going to pull you out. But God knows when I pull you out, these people are not going to let you go. They got two to four million free laborers To build stuff. Maybe even like pyramids. Two to four million people to build stuff. That they don't have to pay. Not a bad deal, is it? If you're an Egyptian. Put this in your outline for you. Not only is the plan to discourage the people, but also discourage the leadership from revitalizing them to their purpose. God has a purpose for you. He does not want you to be revitalized to it. Now, all right, so the children of Israel are discouraged. The leaders are discouraged. What about Moses? Now remember, we reviewed all the stuff. Moses had the burning bush experience. God spoke to him directly, turned his staff into a snake. His hand became leprous and then was healed. These are remarkable things. Now, if God's going to do signs for me, I prefer to skip the snake one. It's <laughs> just a preference on my part. Yeah. Yeah. Prefer not to have the snake one. Right. I like snakes from a distance. <laughs> I'm just not a big fan. Now, if it's a corn snake, it's something you know, is harmless, I don't, I'll hold them, I'll do all sorts of stuff with them. It's fine. I don't, the, 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 the aspect of the snake isn't there. It's the business end in the front that's the part I don't like. And I don't want to sit around and figure out, is this a poisonous snake or is it not? I generally treat all of them as if they are. Miss right. Sharon was showing me a picture of a snake she had. <laughs> How long was that snake, Miss Sharon? 15 inches or so? About 15-inch snake. How many of you, if you saw a 15-inch snake, are going chasing after it, poking it with a stick to see if it's okay? No. Checking it out. You all right in there? How many, how many people here besides Sharon? Sharon's it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, she was pretty sure it was a garter snake. And, you know, I know a garter snake. It'll bite you, but it's not going to do anything. I'll handle a garter snake. It's, that's fine. But, you know, it's that uncertainty. Is it a garter snake or is it something else? She was, she was sending me that. I think, what was that, back in the spring or something like that. It was the first snake, her first snake of the, of the summer. I had already experienced my first snake of the summer and I didn't go after poking it with a stick. <laughs> Did not do it. I was running along a path and all of a sudden a snake of around 12 to 18 inches. I don't know exactly what it was. Was by the side where I was running. And then he decided to move. He was not a green snake, he was a brown snake. I don't know what kind of snake a brown snake is. I didn't check it out to see all of its credentials. <laughs> I let it go the other way. The problem is, I run by that spot frequently. Now, you know what's in my mind every time I'm going by that spot? There was a snake here before. <laughs> Keep my eye out for you. <laughs> I don't know what kind of snake you are, but you're not going to get me. Now, if you ever want to hear some fun snake stories, Brother Rick Runner loved snakes. He liked the ones that were dangerous. Scary dangerous. Not a little bit dangerous. Scary dangerous. He had one in his house that when it got out of its cage, the room was demolished while he caught it. I believe it was called a reticulated python. Now, get the name of the snake. He got it from somebody else who didn't want it anymore. Gave it to him. The name name of the snake was Lucifer. When he brought it into the house and put it in the room with all his other snakes, his roommate said, I am not staying in this room, in this house, as long as he is there. And he did eventually have to get rid of it. He lost the battle between him and Lucifer and had to, had to get rid of the snake. That snake's not even showing up in my house. Maybe Miss Sharon wants to have a go with that snake, but no. <laughs> not me. Nope. Don't need it. So understand this about Moses. Moses had the this, this staff turned into a snake. Grabbed the snake by the tail, which I think is bad. <laughs> I think that's a bad place to grab the thing. But you grabbed it by the tail, and it turned back into the rod. And then we had the leprous thing. So we had all that, the burning bush. How many of you think if you had a burning bush that didn't get consumed, the voice of God coming from the burning bush, and the snake and the lepers, leprosy in the hand, how many of you, that would convince you that whatever you needed to do, God, God said it? I mean, are there any questions? No. There should not be any questions, right? No. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses. I'm sorry, verse 22. Let's go back to Exodus five twenty-two. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Now, get the timeline down here. You read over this, you miss the timeline. Moses and Aaron come into the presence of Pharaoh, have the conversation, and the same day, straw is taken from the people. So the next day, they have to go out, and they have to get the straw. Not that's the same day that it was given, but the next day is what it affected, because they already had received some supply. So the next day, they have to go, and they have to find their own straw, And still make it. When they don't finish, then they get beaten. So now you're on to the next day. Now that's the day that they probably, the elders, head on over to talk with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, you don't know what's going on. But your people are beating us. And he says, yeah, I told them to. Now get out there and get busy. And so they come on back. And they meet Moses on the way out. We are looking at two days removed. Maybe three. They have endured this dilemma for two, maybe three days. How long have they endured slavery? Over 400 years. In fact, folks, the entire lifespan of every person alive, they have been a slave. They have been under this abuse. It's the only life they know. They were given a glimmer of hope. And for two, three, even if we're generous, even if we say four days, four days, At the most, they've been going through this. They are tired of it and they say, We are done. We are done with this. We are done with you as our leader. So Moses returns For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. All right. When did he start, according to Moses? When did he start doing evil to the people? Since he came. What about all that time before that? Did we we lose sight of that? This is Moses. Now, we're not talking about the average people. We're talking Moses. We all revere Moses, right? This is Moses. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Let me put this through another another way. Because sometimes we read this over and we're, we're not hearing it right. Well, God... I didn't want to do this. If you remember right, I said I didn't want to come. But you told me I had to come, so I came. And I did the things you said to do, and it didn't work. I didn't do what I wanted to do. I did what you wanted to do. I did it just as you said to do it. And it didn't work. And since I've been here, it's gotten worse. So I don't know why you have me out here. I told you. I I was not the guy for this. I told you get somebody else. No, you got to get me. And now everybody's mad at me. And I didn't want to be here in the first place. See, Moses is discouraged. (laughs) He's discouraged. He is facing a task from God. But it seems like the weight of it has gotten him down. It seems like the weight has been too much. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians kept in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, I will rescue you from your bondage, from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your judge, or your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I Will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Amen. How many of you are planning on watching football today? On the field, on the football field, they're gonna be doing some trash talking to each other. God is the originator of trash talk. <laughs> it's right there. God originated it. Pharaoh says, Who is the Lord? God says, I, I'm the man. I'm the one who's taking you out. I'm the one who's taking you down. I'm going to take you down so far, you are going to want to drive these people out of your land. You are going to want to do what I want to do. You are going to be putty in my hand. And you are going to be glad that I don't just crush you with everything that I have. You want some of me? Come on. That's the Steve Heck translation of that section. That's what he's saying. I'm the man. I'm the God who's going to do this. I'm going to take you out. And I'm not even going to work hard. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. (laughs) I wish I could be there. When I went to heaven... I want to. I want to say, God. I want to see this speech. I want to see how did Moses relay this to the people. I want to. See how did he do it? Did he do it in such a way? He says, Well, guys, this is what God said. Um, kind of said, you know, um, you know, He will take you out and um, He will lead you out of this bondage and uh, He'll take care of all those things. I, I wonder if he did that or he said, I went to God. And this is what God... I wonder which way He did it. <laughs> because if you, you just read it, you don't know. <laughs> I want to see it. So, thank God. We, and how many of you know, God does not need videotape replay. He doesn't need videotape replay. He can take you there. He can take you right there. He said, Do you want to see? Come on, right over here. Because God is the God of the past, present, and future. God is involved right now with Abraham as much as He's involved with you. God does not follow a timeline. We went over this and we were talking in the Wednesday night series. But all things that are created are created by Jesus. All things. And it says in there whether seen or unseen. We too much focus on the seen. But do you know that time is one of those things that is unseen? And that God created time. If God created time, then God existed before time. And if God can exist before time, then God can exist outside of our timeline, even with our timeline going on. So when Jesus says, I'm not the God of the dead, I am the God of the living. It is not that I was the God of Abraham, I am the God of Abraham. When he went back and he took John to the the tribulation, he didn't show him a video of what might happen. He took him to the future to actually see it. And when we get in, when we get called up into heaven and we are watching the tribulation from up top, we're going to see a bystander there with a pen. And he's going to be writing stuff down. And it's going to be John. I love talking about this. I mention it more often. Probably than you all can stand it. But when we read the book of Revelation, we read a book written by a man in the past watching events that haven't happened yet. And we're reading about it. In fact, the book was written in the future. But it exists in the past. John didn't write the book in a cave. He wrote it in heaven. Go through the book of Revelation and find out. He's up in heaven. He's writing it down. God took a book that was written in the future about the future by a man in the past that you can read in your present. That is an amazing God. (laughs) So I want to know how he did it. Well, God will actually take us back there. Here, watch. (laughs) And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Go in. When you're ready. Where do we uh, leave off at? Which one? So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel. But they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. They did not heed him. Why? Because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. How many of you have ever been on a sports team? Raise your hand. Ever been on a sports team? Ever been in the marching band? Anybody been in the marching band? My sister was in the marching band. I was not. I know what you all go through because I heard it. And they put you through some pretty tough things in the marching band. I don't want to try and make you think football players are the tough ones. I know marching band people are tough because they set you out there under the sun. There's no shade. Under the sun, carrying your instrument in full uniform, marching around for hours. And sometimes she would get called over there to go on a Saturday. And they would start early in the morning. They would go until late in the afternoon. Marching underneath that sun. Carrying whatever it is they had to carry. And some of the people might pass out. Because just what it says right here. Anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. When you were a marching band did any of you ever think they are cruel. When you're in the football team, the juror think they are cruel. You ever watch a football movie? And you see the guy, he's puking? And what's the coach come up to him and say? He's yelling at him. Top of his lung, yelling at him. Get out there in that feel. I want you to you're gonna run more now. <laughs> Why? Because he's trying to get him tougher in practice. So when the game time comes, he's ready. They're trying to get you tough enough in the marching band, in practice. So when game time comes, you are more than able to accomplish what is there. And God, in our times of practice, is getting us ready so that we are tough enough to handle what comes. Because he says, the day is coming. You have asked for deliverance. You have asked for me to come down and deliver. But I know when I come down and deliver, I know what Pharaoh's going to do. And you've got to be tough enough to hold up your end of the bargain. You've got to be tough enough to hold it up on your end. The coach can't be tough on the sideline. The players have to be tough enough on the field. And God says, Guys, I need you tough out here. You're you're the players. I need you tough out here. I need you ready to hold up. And so he exhorted Moses and he came to Moses. And Moses came to the people because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. They didn't heed it. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Now the story continues to go on. We're not going to get into the rest of it. You know that God went in there with the plagues and the things that had gone on. And each time the plagues went on, the children of Israel murmured and they groaned and they complained because they were not up to handling the pressure that was coming down upon them. They wanted deliverance, but they wanted deliverance without any pressure. They wanted deliverance without any cost. When you desire to do something good for God, when God has put down on the inside of you a purpose that is a great purpose, understand it will come at a cost to you that you are going to have to be ready to bear up under that cost. That you're going to have to be like, maybe not to the extent that Jesus was, but Jesus in the garden, sweating blood and saying, Father God, not my will, but your will be done. And because of what he did, we all benefit. And we're born again because of what Jesus did. Opposition to God's word and direction, folks, is going to come. It will always come and its presence. Does not mean you missed it. You get pressure on your job. Doesn't mean you missed it. You get pressure in your marriage. Doesn't mean that you missed it. You get pressure because the kids aren't right, doing the right things. Doesn't mean that you missed it. Doesn't mean that you missed it because things around you are not going that well. But you see, when things are not around us are not going that well, it's when we have time to get ourselves strong. To get ourselves strengthened. To build ourselves up. If your strength is not up to the task, failure will often result. But it's not because you're in the wrong place, or doing the wrong thing, or didn't hear from God. It just means that you did not build up your strength. And you are not ready to do what God said to do. Even though you became discouraged, it does not mean that God will reject you. Did God reject Moses? No. Just because you got discouraged doesn't mean God has rejected you. But He will encourage you. Just like He encouraged the children of Israel and just like He encouraged Moses. He will encourage you. It's up to you to accept it. You've got to receive it. you got to accept it. The children of Israel didn't accept it. They didn't get encouraged. They didn't get built up. Moses did. And if you went through the rest of the book of Exodus, you will find out that Moses never again gets discouraged like this. He never again comes back and questions God. And if you think that if I only had a burning bush experience, if I only had a snake rod experience in my life, if I only had signs and wonders going on to confirm that what I'm doing is God, that you would never wonder, never question, you are wrong. Brother Hagen, back when I was in school, he taught us this. He said, the best thing is to be led by that inner voice of your spirit. That's the best thing. He said, if you are led by the inner voice of your spirit, you will face opposition, but it probably isn't going to be anything great. Now, this is a man who had visions and dreams and such such things about the purpose of God. And he says, when those things come, understand the opposition that comes is great. That's great. And even as great as all those things were, the one with Moses, the stuff that Elijah had, the things that Elisha saw, as great as all those things were to tell them this is the direction that God has for you to go. They still came to places where they were having difficulty and they struggled. Here's a guy for you to look at. David as in king david if you had god move on you to where with your bare hands as a child you killed a lion and then you killed a bear and on the basis of that you went out and you killed a giant that everyone in israel was afraid of and people who were warriors from their youth were scared of this guy so that they would run and hide and you went out on the battlefield without armor without a sword And faced him in the name of God. And he died. And you didn't. And then you went on the battlefield and slew thousands of Philistines so that the children of Israel began to sing songs about you. And don't forget, the prophet of God came and anointed him king. How many of you would say, Boy, I tell you what, I don't need anything else from God. That's enough. And yet, how many times in the the Psalms do we read of the discouragement that David faced? No matter how great the thing that God has shown you to to demonstrate His way, no matter how great the sign was that He spoke to you, just understand this, the opposition will be greater. Because you are here to live a life of faith. So no matter what you have received on the direction of God, there will always be room for you to doubt. But what God is looking for is a people who will rise up. I have heard the voice of God. This is the direction I'm going to go. And I am going to get myself stronger. And I'm going to get myself ready. For when the opposition comes, I need that strength. Because if you buckle under, it's not because of God. and It's not because of the calling. It's because you didn't get strong. You Remember the children of Israel wandering around the wilderness for 40 years? That was not the plan of God. It did not take him 40 years to get them ready. It took them only a few months. And they were ready to go into the promised land. And they said, we are not going to go. We reject this plan of God. And God said, I have rejected you. Now all of you are going to die. And the ones that you were afraid of, your children, I'm going to raise them up. And they're going to go into the promised land. And over the next 40 years, he raised them up. And they all died off. But that was not the original purpose. That was not the original plan of God. It's because the people that he intended didn't get strong enough and weren't ready to take it on. Would you all stand up with me? If you're here today and you say, I, am, I believe what I'm doing is, is God. I believe that God has taken me in this direction. I believe that God has spoken to me and I'm going in the right way. But oh man, it's been tough. Work's been hard. Work's been oppressive. Work's been the family, the, the relationships, whatever it is that's going on, it's been tough. It's been hard. School has been hard. Whatever it is that you're facing, it's been difficult. It's been hard. It doesn't say a word about whether it's God or not. Because there are a whole lot of people in the Word of God who did some very difficult things. Very hard things. But they were ready for it. God expects us to get ready. We may have rejected some of the things that God was doing early on to get us ready. But don't reject it now. You can raise your hands on this one. How many of you have obnoxious people in your life? Just about all of us. All right. Yeah. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. Because those obnoxious people are going to help you walk into the patience and love of God and they're going to increase your strength in that area. How many of you have some people in your life, all right, they're not obnoxious, just stupid? (laughs) Yep. And you want God to get rid of them? No, He's not. Because if they got out of your life, somebody else is just going to come in there because there's a lot of stupid people in the world. There's a lot of obnoxious people in the world. And sometimes it seems like they have all found you. But you see, these people are in your life for a reason. Because first off, God wants to make you stronger. Stronger walking in His love. Stronger walking in His purpose. Stronger doing the things that God told you to do. It's going to make you stronger in that. And along the way, you can help some of these people out. God's words to you are not always very long, but they're always full of things to do. Brother Hagin's word that he received receive from God? Teach my people faith. That's it. That developed a lot of years of ministry out of that. What do you have to keep coming back to? What did God say? Teach my people faith. What has God said to you? Some of it He has said in His Word in just a general way. Some of it He has said specifically to you. Something about calling that's on your life. Whatever it might be. Stop blaming all the people around you. And look to yourself. Father God, if you called me to be king, Saul is not in my way. If you called me to be the deliverer of Israel, Pharaoh is not in my way. He's not my problem. But the enemy will get you to focus on the wrong things and the wrong problems. Focus on the direction of God. Well, I don't have any direction from God. God has never spoken to me. Yes, He has. (laughs) Oh, yes, He has. He's given you some general things, and we've talked about some of those in the world. We'll we'll be talking more about them as the weeks go on here. But beside that, if God has called you to be a husband, a wife, a parent, fulfill that call. If He's called you to be uh, an employee at your job, fulfill that call. Don't fulfill it based upon the people that are around you, how faithful they are and how good they are, do your work hardly as to the Lord, the Word of God says. And every day you wake up, say, Father God, I am here, and I will do what you have said to do. And whatever problems I face today, they're only going to make me stronger. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm not going to get down. I'm going to keep on moving. In what you have told me to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us in life. You have spoken to us. You have spoken to us direction. You have put us in places, have us doing things. And our purpose here in life, Father, is to get stronger and stronger. The enemy wants us to get weaker. He wants us to not focus on our growth. He wants us to stay the same this year that we were last year. But if we stay the same, we don't get stronger. When the opposition that you know as down the road comes, we won't be ready for it. Those things that we've cried out for, it says, God, I want this in my life. When it comes to us, we aren't ready. And when the opposition to that thing comes, we get discouraged and we cry out and say, I don't know it was going to be this hard. But you have a way to make us fit, to make us ready, to make us strong in the things of God. We thank you for it. Glory be to God. Very head bowed. No one looking around. How many of you can say that looking at this story with Moses, it has renewed you on the purpose of what God has called you to do? Raise your hand. Renewed on the purpose of what God has called you to do. Glory to God. Father God, you see those hands that are up. I thank you that we can take encouragement from one like Moses. He had a lot of people in his life who didn't help him. But he didn't use them as an excuse. He kept coming back to you. And you encouraged him. And you moved him on. I thank you, Father, that you will do the same for us. And we receive that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you all for joining us here today. Good to have you here. If you're here first time and you're here for the uh, present registration, make sure that you see my wife over here. I see the only one I've. Um, she's the only one out. My my daughter might be around here. One of those two will get you registered for, for those particular things. Wednesday night, we are not going to have service. I was planning on having service, but it was reminded me that we don't usually have it on there because half of our crew goes away and the other half is, or most of the other half is making meals for people that are coming on Thursday. So. <laughs> So we ended up, we're not going to have service on Wednesday night. Don't tune in on Facebook or anything else. We're not going to have anything going on on Wednesday. Um, we do have the end times class going on today. If you want to stick around for that, it's going to be one o'clock. Let me know on the way out if you're planning on staying. Just wanted to uh, find out from, from you who's, who's going, who's not, so forth like that. Um, what we're looking at today, how many of you all know some of the things that go on on our holidays? You know, where did Christmas time come from? Where did all these holidays come from? Where we're going to show you, these things are not new, but they come, they date all the way back to the time of Genesis. And there's some things in particular that we'll, we'll show you with, with that. So um, if you want to stick around for that, that's going to be going on. The Mystery Babylon, that's what it's called in the Book of Revelation. And we're going to show you what that is here. Is, um, uh, that'll start off about 1 o'clock. What time are you... I don't even know what time it is now. There we go. All right, good. If you've got enough time to get out there, get something to eat. So let me know if you... Uh,